Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But I woke up Thursday morning, um, I don't know, 5.30ish, and it was like this, this, it's a real basic concept. I don't have a lengthy message to expand on, but just a couple of ideas. <clears throat> but it was like I woke up and just, you know, just the download, and, and boom, there it is. And, you know, there's inspiration that comes in most of my messages, and that's how they usually come in a couple of bursts like that throughout the week. But this was, I woke up and it was like, you know, it was, you ever had that, you know what I'm, do you know the, you know, do you, do you know that? Do you know, yeah, good. She's looking at me like, huh? Blah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the zap, whatever it is for you, you know, the inspiration, the moment, the revelation, the light bulb goes off. And uh, so it was this, and it's really just one idea, and it's almost just one word, and it's compassion. So I'm going to kind of co-labor with the Holy Spirit here for a moment in this teaching, let's say. And keep your heart open, because I just really feel like that God is, you know, this is, a, this is a, a right now word for us, for the body of Christ at large, compassion, empathy, which leads to forgiveness from you toward yourself and toward others. You know, and this idea of, you know, I, so I was thinking about the message, right? And I was thinking about what that looks like and how to bring it out and all the scriptures that come to you when you're thinking about a topic. And I was riding down the road and I just started to notice the people in the cars around me and how diverse everything looked, everybody looked, you know? And it's like all these different things. And, and, I, and it kind of hit me, God showed me that, you know, what we do is when we're living our lives and we notice the world around us, especially through people, we have biases and we have filters that we see people through before we ever even see the person. And you may never even see the person. You only see the bias or the bigotry or the lie or your past because of the last time you had an experience with somebody that looks like that person and that person has got to be just like that person because they look just like... You know what I mean? And where we go, and we, and we very rarely take the time to cut through the filters to actually see the person. Now, you can't really do that when you see somebody driving by and they're, you're sitting at a traffic light and they just go in front of you, you know what I mean? But I started to think, okay, well, this person has a story. This person has a life. This may be the only time that this person crosses my path in life and I never see them again, but they're going to their life and they're going to their family and their people and their job and their circles. And, and, and it's like I just started thinking, okay, well, my goodness, the entire world is like that. And so you start thinking of the world as people, not politics, not political ideas, not what people's jobs are, <clears throat> not the fronts that people put on as a result of their experiences in life. Because most of the times what you're dealing with is somebody's front. You're dealing with their, their shields and their, their boundaries and their walls and it's like a lot, you know, you have to become friends with people and get to know people to even see if they'll let you inside the wall. 
And then, you may, then it may still take time for you to get to know them because they may not even know themselves, you know? And I'm just thinking that for believers, for the body of Christ, we should be known on this planet by our love for one another. And it just led me to, to start thinking, you know, gosh, do I let people in close enough to love me? Because we're so focused on I've got to love people. I'm going to go love people today, you know. And it's like, <laughs> but do I let people love me? You know, do I, do I make myself open and vulnerable? Do I let my walls down? Do I let my preconceptions down of, okay, you said this, so that means you're probably going to go this way, and I'm going to stand right here because I know where you're going, and I'm getting out of your way. And, you know, there is wisdom in some of that. You don't just become a doormat. You don't just become codependent and let everybody run, you know, over you all the time. But there's a balance there, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a barrier there that maybe doesn't need to be there. In the name of our love toward one another, experiencing love from, I mean, how many of you have a hard time if somebody shows up and they want to pay your light bill or your doctor bill or they want to do something for you that you can't do on your own and you have a really hard time receiving it? Maybe, maybe you think that they're angling for something. Maybe you think that they want something in return. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, just, you just are a self-made person and it's just hard for you to receive that, you know? So again, let the Holy Spirit work with this in you because I'm just kind of throwing out some ideas of where we are. But, I, but this idea of looking around the world and seeing people and realizing this is a human, this person in God's eyes is exactly the same as me. No matter how much I have reason to believe that they are, should be in this box in my perception, you know, God, we're all in just in God's hand, especially those that have said yes to Christ, right? So I'm just thinking about this idea of compassion. What does compassion look like? What does it look like for us? And I think for a lot of times, it's letting our own barriers down, letting our own walls down and letting people in. Now, it doesn't mean you just jump up here and you air, air all your dirty laundry. You know, that's not really wise. Not everybody needs to hear all your stuff. But who are you connecting with? In the body of Christ, are you letting the body of Christ be the body of Christ for you so that when they are, it shows the world our love. This is our love. Our love on display shows that we follow Jesus. You know, do you have relationships that are like that for you? pray that your marriage is. I pray that your relationship with your kids and all of that, your family, but others as well. <clears throat> so I started thinking about this idea of repent, repentance, right? And don't raise your hand, but you can if you want to, but you know, how many of you have, for the most, mo the largest part of your life since you've been a believer, have had the idea that repentance is apologizing to God so that he will forgive you. That's not even remotely in the definition of repentance. In the Greek, it's mostly metanoia, which means to have a change of mind. So the reason you experience forgiveness when you repent or when you have a metanoia is because you have a change of mind and you believe something different. You go away from believing this sin is who I am and what I want to, this sin is killing me, 
I want Jesus, or you just recognize I need to be saved, and sin may not even have anything to do with it, but you have a change, you have a metanoia, a change of mind, a change of thinking, where you turn toward God and you say, I need you. I need to be saved. And it's not, boy, I realize now I realize I'm a sinner. I didn't know before, but now I know. So now, God, I'm sorry. And they, oh, now you know. Here's some forgiveness. That's just not, that is so weird. That is not repentance. Repentance absolutely has an element of you deciding that you're going to turn away from your sin, but not because you feel like you have to apologize to God to receive forgiveness, but because you realize this is killing me. This is hardening my heart and keeping me from experiencing the life and the power of God within me. Your apology to God is not what causes him to forgive you. The blood of Christ is what empowers God to be able to forgive you. That's what sacrifice is all about. And in that alone is your forgiveness. In fact, he says, when you continue in sin, you've forgotten that you're forgiven. It's like, so remember, you're forgiven, and get back on track. Repent. Have a shift of mind. Have a shift of thinking, a change of thinking. Back toward God and realize, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. What was I thinking, you know? And then you, and then you turn back to God. That's, that's repentance, setting your face back upon him in the traditional sense. But then there's another element of repentance that I was thinking about. And look at, look at this. This is interesting. In Genesis 6, 5 through, uh, 5 through 7. And God, no, this, so this is, you know, he's talking to Noah. This is the whole Noah thing. This is before the flood. This is ancient time. And, uh, you know, it would have been, it'd be interesting. If I could time travel, this is one of the places I'd go back to. Because it must have been a messed up place for, for what God did here, Right? So, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. People, you know, people say that today is the same. (laughs) No, no, not even close. I'm telling you, today is not even close to what this was like. Not even close. Maybe in a haunted house where everybody's demonic. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking about what would it look like for every thought and every imagination of the heart of humans to be wicked and evil? It must look like a haunted house, right? Like just murder and and just weird and just dark and demented, you know? So a planet of haunted house. I mean, I'm just trying to conceptualize what this must have been like, right? Because people will use this prophecy. People will use this, as it were, in the days of Noah when it talks about the end times and all that, and they'll associate it with this, the state of mankind's heart and minds. I don't really think that that's, those are the correlations that you draw with that particular prophecy. Because think of every imagination and thoughts of the heart of mankind was wicked and evil. I mean, you, before you were born again, 
weren't walking around and predominantly wicked and evil in your thoughts. You know, the kingdom of God has had an effect on this planet. It's growing, it's increasing, it's making things better. I mean, I know it's kind of a lot to think about, but, you know, it's interesting. So, and it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. Did God need to go apologize to himself? I mean, did God need forgiveness for making mankind? It repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Wow. You know, I'm not even going to go into the element of that verse because that's just a whole other topic, and it's hard to wrap your mind around that. And we just have to trust that God is good and his mercy endures forever, right? So this must have been something merciful. But in this word here, the, the word repent is naham. Say that with me. Naham. <laughs> you know, naham. And it, it means, you can pull that down, it means lament, to grieve, or experience emotion due to the pity of others. Now, we think pity, and we think if you have pity on someone, that they must be pitiful. And in our day and time, that word and that, that concept is like, well, I take pity on you as if they're just worthless or something like that. But it's not what it meant. It actually comes from the word piety, which is godly. And so it's like you have these godly emotions toward people. You look at people and you recognize, you have, you, you, and an, an emotion is invoked within you as a response to the condition of this person's life. That's pity. You feel something because these people are hurting. So it looks like that God is reacting in anger, doesn't it? And maybe you've been taught that, that it looks like God is, I'm angry. And I'm, these people, I can't believe they're living this way. I'm going to wipe them all out. And it looks that way. But that's not the emotional context of the word and the passage that we're given. The emotional context from God toward mankind is that he's greed. He's, you know, you look at people in Africa or whatever, and you look at there, and you're like, oh, man, your heart breaks. What can I do? You feel helpless, right? You feel helpless for a continent of people starving, struggling with disease. That's what it's like. That's the emotional context that God is experiencing as he looks at the planet and what mankind has done to it. And so, in his mercy, his option is to do what he does. Now, you just got to trust God on that, right? You just have to trust God that he's merciful in that. So, Colossians, 12, Colossians 3, starting in verse 12, keeping with the idea of us being ambassadors and kings and priests and representing God on this planet and this mandate that we have to take the gospel into the world, it's got to be through compassion. It's got to be through empathy. It can't just be information. This is, this is what I despise. Control yourself. This is what I despise about an intellectual approach toward Christianity. This is what I despise about holding up a doctrine and saying this and putting it over someone 
and just totally losing value for that person. There's no emotional connection within it. It's legalism and it's demonic. The church should be the safest place on the planet. The church meaning we, us, as people. We should be the safest place on the planet. We should be the most open and honest place on the planet for people to go because they don't experience condemnation. They experience empathy from us. They experience a recognition, a compassion. You know, showing compassion and forgiveness towards someone absolutely does not validate their behavior. Absolutely does not put you in a position where you approve of their behavior. In fact, the only way that they can be free from it is if you remove the guilt off of it. You know when Jesus said, go, he said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, binding and loosing and all that. And then he makes this curious statement that, you know, if you forgive people's sins, their sins are forgiven, but if you don't, their sins aren't forgiven. And it's, it's really hard to, that's one of those living passages that you will gain revelation on the rest of your life, especially as you are committed to walking in love toward others. But you hold the power to forgive people and let them experience this forgiveness. Because if they can feel it from you, they might let themselves feel it from God. And they need to experience personal forgiveness in order to experience freedom. It's an interesting dynamic, the human conscience or consciousness. Because the strength of sin is the law. In other words, what makes you want to sin is the fact that you know that you shouldn't in a weird kind of way. And, and if you think about that, see, here's something that we have to get used to is when we interpret Scripture and we look at it. You can't just look at it as an idea or a doctrine. You also have to look at it in the emotional context. And this is something that I'm even kind of learning in Bible interpretation is, all right, what, what, what should be the impact of this? What should be the living, breathing element that I can actually take, understand, and then drop into a way of life? And so forgiveness is for the purpose of setting you free from the very thing that's driving the sin behavior so that you have no more excuse and then you realize I'm free. I am in grace. I am no longer under the law. I am forgiven. Amen? And when you actually realize you're forgiven, then you have a chance to live the way the legalists impose on you to live and they aren't doing it themselves. And you get to be that for other people. Again, it doesn't mean you violate wisdom. You don't violate your own conscience. You don't continue to put yourself in the path of harm. But you carry the power to administer the forgiveness of God found in the blood of Christ. And people need to experience it. If they continually experience condemnation from you because this is what the Word says. Okay, well, you know what? Tell me what the Word is supposed to do. Because you forgot that part. Colossians 3.12. <clears throat> this is us, right? This is this compassion thing. This is this empathy. This is us putting ourselves in other people's shoes, right? Now, you can't judge. Judgment is when you assume other, someone else's intention 
Like, you did this because of this. Nope, you just stepped into judgment. You have no idea why that person did what they did. Pull that down for just a minute. This is just kind of a practical thing here. Somebody does something you don't like, hurts you, go speak to them and say, you know, you did this or you said this and it made me feel this way. It made I feel this way and I think this now because of your action. Is that what you meant? Very simple. Is that what you meant? Did you mean to say this or do this? A lot of times you go to someone and they will look back at you and, oh my, I didn't mean that. Now, they might be lying. <laughs> it's possible, likely in some cases. Give them the benefit of the doubt and move on, right? But they might say, oh, I didn't, no, that's not what I meant. I'm, I'm, oh, I see now, you know. Now, if they come back and they say, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, you know, you, you, deal, that's, you take another step, right? If, or I'm sorry that I made you feel that way is a little closer to reconciliation, right? But you go to them and you say, you know what? You made me feel this way. What your actions or what you said, I feel this now. Now, you have to listen then because you can't just go say, well, you did this and you made me feel this way. It's your fault. And they might come back and say, well, you know what? That's not really what I said. What I said was this. No, but you made me feel this way. Well, get over how you feel and listen. Your emotions are not the truth tellers in the situation many times. That is not, you don't come to the truth by what you feel. You have to communicate. You go, you speak. Communication. So let's look at this, Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, say, I am a chosen person. Now, I don't know if you remember when we went through Ephesians and God talked about the elect, because it says the elect in King James here. The elect, chosen, you realize that it's, it's contextually talking about the children of Israel, the Jews, for all throughout history were the elect, the chosen. And now that is being changed to where the Gentiles can also be saved and be part of the chosen is what it's talking about. And he predetermined before he ever even created anything that through the Israelites he would reveal himself and then also predetermined that in Christ he would offer salvation because of the heritage of revealing himself through the Jews. So when it talks about the elect and the chosen, it's not talking about this small little group of people that God decided ahead of time that you get to go to heaven, you, no. God decided before he made even one speck of dust, you're going to hell. Now, you may have not ever heard that theology, but it's out there and people believe it and they develop flower-based imagery off of it. Five points of it. And like a dog on a bone. And it's like, okay, go a couple of verses later in Romans where you're talking about it here and it says that the elect and the chosen were the Jews. Okay, anyway, sorry. Let's keep going here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly, say, I'm holy. I'm dearly loved. You know, sometimes when you read these passages, you have to make it personal. Do you know that you're dearly loved? Do you feel dearly loved? You might say, okay, well, you know what? Once I stop doing that, then I can try to feel dearly loved. 
No, let yourself feel dearly loved. Then you might have the power to step out of that thing that's killing you. Clothe yourselves with compassion. So go back into that, letting the Holy Spirit kind of work with you in this for just a moment. Because this is, I think this is where God's going this week. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's probably lots of churches all across the entire world that are focusing on this right now. But sometimes God will do that. It's just like, all right, I'm going to make a shift in the body of Christ right now. Compassion. I mean, just saying compassion. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Doesn't mean that once you forgive them, you jump back into the destructive, chaotic situation. It might mean that in your forgiveness, you take steps away from people, but you're not holding something against them, right? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What did it take for God to forgive you? What did you have to do for God to forgive you? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, before you ever even received it, God forgave you because that is the nature of sacrifice. Jesus is the sin offering. The forgiveness of the entire world was complete when Jesus breathed that last breath. It was done. Does that mean everybody's saved? No. You being unforgiven by God is not what keeps you out of heaven. You not receiving Christ is, but you're forgiven before you ever even say yes to him. That's a big deal. That you have to understand sacrifice to be able to accept that. And if you don't accept it, you don't understand the power and the depth of the sacrifice of Christ as our sin offering. The sin offering for the world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Do you not think that the effects of the sacrifice actually went into action? See, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, when the high priest would go in and do the sacrifice, the entire nation of Israel was forgiven, whether they showed up and partook in it or not. That was the mandate. That was the reason of the Yom Kippur, one-time sacrifice of year, Day of Atonement, once that sacrifice happened, that goat was killed, the entire nation of Israel. Do you think there might have been some people in that congregation there that didn't deserve to be forgiven? They were forgiven, every one of them, every one of them. And that's how it is in the blood of Christ. The entire world stands forgiven. He's removed the thing that separates God from mankind. Now, absolutely, no doubt, every individual person has the responsibility to say yes to Christ and receive that gift of righteousness. Amen. We're not universalists. For everybody to be forgiven doesn't mean everybody's going to heaven, so don't think that we're saying that. Bear with one another, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in you. See, you need to know how to let the peace of Christ rule within you. 
or you won't be able to forgive people. You will not be able to walk in compassion and kindness and mercy toward people if you don't know how to let the peace of Christ reign within you. And the way that you let the peace of Christ reign within you is you just let him love you. You acknowledge what Jesus did at the cross. That, I mean, that's the only thing. To, that's the only thing you can do is just understand the cross, the depths of the cross, what he accomplished to be able to have the, the kind of relationship with you. That's where peace comes from. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, this is almost like a reworking of the Lord's Prayer. You know, if you look at it and you kind of see what he's doing here, it's almost like a reworking. It's the, all the principles are there. And if you didn't get one, we, we made those cards that say powerful prayer back there. Grab one or two of those things and stick them up on your mirror, your refrigerator, whatever. It just kind of walks you through what the, the principles within that prayer. And just be reminded, you know, I, I'm, a, I, I, I'm a representative of God on this planet. God is pleading through me to the world to be reconciled to God. That's what we do. We show the world who God is. We bring the message of Christ, which is God became like you so that you could live within him. You can step out of your death and have forgiveness and eternal life because of the sacrifice of Christ. That's the message. That's the gospel. It can be said 900 different ways, but that's the idea, right? This exchange. God became like you so that you could live with him eternally in Christ alone. Amen? And so that the best way to represent him from then on is not run down to the altar and beg God for forgiveness. That's not repentance. Repentance is, oh, man, why well, I really been thinking some weird things in this area? I need to find out what the word of God says because I, I need to get my thinking right. That's what the word is. I need to get my thinking right so that I will let myself experience Jesus inwardly, and then I can live this stuff out. I can live out this passion, this compassion, and this kindness, and this humility, and this gentleness, and this patience. And that is who the Holy Spirit will be in you and through you. Father, we thank you for your spirit. Daily, I want to clothe myself with compassion. When people look at me, when they see me, the appearance, the very first thing that they notice is compassion. Just like our shirt or our pants or our shoes or whatever it is that we have on, the hat, whatever it is that we have, the clothing that we wear, compassion kindness, not weakness, not complacency, not unhealthy approval, but mercy. Solid in who I am in Christ, knowing that I carry the power to help other people experience your forgiveness. We want to represent you. We are your friends, equipped by you and empowered by you and approved by you to carry the message of Christ.
You know, some of you might be thinking of some situations where you're like, mm, man, I really have no clue how to be compassionate in this situation. Well, God does. You know, here, here's an interesting meditation that you can do. If you're having a situation that's very challenging and difficult, remove yourself from it and kind of go into that meditative state, use your imagination, and, and see that situation, but see Jesus there instead of you. And, and watch how he would treat that person or that situation. If that works for you, that may or may not work for you, but you can try it. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you work within us, that you are compassion, you are merciful, and you are loving, and you are kind. And you not only put yourself mentally and emotionally in our shoes, you became us. You so wanted to identify with us to set us free from everything that holds mankind back. You became us to set us free. God, let us walk in that kind of compassion that we put ourselves in other people's shoes. We try to understand what it is that they're going through rather than just look at them through our biases and our filters and our judgments. And we want to understand people so that we can, find, so that we can let you guide us into a place to be forgiveness for them, to be a place of life for them. You know, we're not your soldiers being sent out as an army. We are your children being sent out to bring the family back. There's a bunch of prodigal sons out there, Lord, and we are going and we're going to climb down in the mud and look for them and bring them out. You have forgiven us and we're going to carry this forgiveness to other people. We're going to lay aside everything that causes us to judge people and walk in compassion, carrying your compassion. We're going to forgive as you forgave us. Amen. Is that your prayer? You know, maybe you're here today, you've never said yes to Jesus, but you'd like to for the first time.